Welcome to the Powerhouse Revolution podcast. I'm Lucy Gernon, ex-corporate leader turned CEO of my dream business, helping corporate female leaders just like you to create your dream career and life. At 40, I quit the corporate world as I was tired of doing a job that no longer lit me up and wanted to live my life my way. I created the Powerhouse Revolution podcast to give you simple, actionable tips and strategies to help you create the perfect career and lifestyle that you and your family deserve. So if you're a corporate female leader or manager who is ready to step into her superpowers and live the life you were born to live, you are definitely in the right place because life is way too short to dread Mondays. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Powerhouse Revolution podcast. I hope you are well wherever you are and finding the joy and positivity in your day if you can. If today is not a good day for you, I'm sending a big hug and just know that tomorrow is a new day. So today on the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about three crucial mistakes you make as a leader and what to do instead. So firstly, great leaders are known for admitting their mistakes and it's not uncommon to make mistakes as a leader. It shows you're trying, shows you're doing your job. And some of the best leaders in the world make mistakes. And you and I both know that leadership is challenging at the best of times. And then throw a pandemic in the mix or a big change and mistakes are bound to be made. But what are the most common mistakes even great leaders make? In today's episode, I'm walking you through why it's okay to admit mistakes and some famous leaders who have the three crucial mistakes you're probably making right now and what you can do instead. And if you're not making them, that's cool. It's just a little reminder of the importance of these three things. And at the end, I will share a link to a fun quiz that you can take to learn more about your leadership style, including a customized development strategy specifically for your specific style to help you to leverage your strengths and close the gaps that are holding you back. Sound good? I have to address again, my voice is not the best. I still, I'm still unwell with COVID, but I'm going to soldier on. So just please excuse me if I sound a little nasally. Hopefully it'll improve for the next one. Firstly, I want to start by saying that it's okay to make mistakes. You're human. And ironically, the more human and the more vulnerable you are, the more you connect with people. There's this whole thing in the corporate space around executive presence and companies pay a fortune to coaches to help their leaders have a stronger executive presence. But for me, leading authentically with your heart is far more impactful. Now, I know that's a part of executive presence, but I think there's if there was more focus on heart-led leadership and less on this leadership persona that you must portray, the corporate world would be a much more productive, much more healthy place to be. Very few people set out to do a bad job, including leaders. No matter what you might think about your boss and, you know, everyone gives out about their boss from time to time, but everyone is trying and everyone is doing their best. But awareness is key and learning from your mistakes is critical, especially when it comes to your team. So your team are your lifeline. When they're happy, they perform well. And doesn't it make your life a whole lot easier? Aren't they the ones who do the majority of the hands-on work that gets you and them recognised? So it's critical as a leader that you become aware of your leadership style, both your strengths and your areas for improvement, so you can limit the mistakes you make 
or just learn how to handle them better when you make them. Some of the world's greatest leaders have publicly admitted their mistakes. So take Eric Huan, who's the CEO of Zoom. So if you remember at the start of the pandemic in 2020, Zoom's popularity exploded. We were all having Zoom table quizzes and keeping in touch with our families that way. But the increase in users, you know, also brought an increase in security and user privacy issues. So Essentially, the video meetings were being hijacked by by hackers. Um, and Mr. Juan, he appeared in the media and he admitted openly that, that the company moved too quickly and promised the Zoom team would correct their shortcomings and do better. Same with Mark Zuckerberg. I think it was 80 odd million profiles were accessed by a political firm, which raised serious questions about privacy and collection of user data in Facebook. And Zuckerberg faced the Senate for this. It was all over the media, if you remember. But he stood up, he took responsibility for Facebook's shortcomings and he said, we didn't do enough to prevent these tools from being used for harm as well. So by these leaders actually admitting their mistakes, think about it. Nobody can say anything when you actually admit to what everyone already knows. It builds trust, it builds credibility, it shows that you're aware. I mean, when you hold your hands up and say you've done something that, you know, you made a mistake, nobody can, t- nobody can say anything to you. So I'm going to talk to you now about the three crucial mistakes you're probably making and what you can do instead. So if you're multitasking, come back to me on these because they're super important. So I call these mistakes the three M's, micromanagement, change management, and people management. These are the top three mistakes that I have seen leaders make in my 20 years as a corporate employee. And I've definitely made some of these myself at various stages of my career. But once I learned the importance of mastering these areas, I mastered my career. I got more time back for myself. I made a bigger business impact. I had better work-life balance. I had an extremely low attrition rate. In fact, I never lost a permanent team member in my 10 years as a people manager. And that was no accident. So I'm going to walk you through the importance of these mistakes. So why is micromanagement a mistake and what do I mean by micromanagement? Micromanagement is working in the business instead of on the business. So I'm going to say that again. It's working in the business instead of on the business. And it can be very hard to recognize in yourself. Okay, so leaders who were involved in the day-to-day firefighting the ones who want to be involved in every meeting, needing to know everything that's going on, especially those meetings that are sent by important people or senior people. So leaders who get involved in the day-to-day issues that their team can handle, and it's all to do with control. So why is this a mistake? Well, if you're doing this, if if you're in all of the things, if your team can't make decisions, if you need to know everything that's going on, you're taking away your team's autonomy. You are working in the business instead of on the business. Now, I know you want to be more strategic. I know you want more time for yourself. I know you want to make a bigger impact. So why are you micromanaging? As a leader, it's your job to support your team to do their job and to be strategic. So if you are consistently micromanaging, if you're involved in every big problem or every big meeting, you will never have the time to be strategic to improve the the business, to increase your visibility, which is ultimately what's going to get you recognized and get you to that next level if that's where you want to go. So what can you do instead? I'm going to give you four tips. Tip number one to combat micromanaging. 
is to be disciplined and decline meetings where your specific expertise is not required and delegate it. So for example, if somebody asks for you to attend a meeting, take a look and ask yourself, do I really need to be here? Or is there somebody else who could represent the department I'm in or whatever function you're in? It doesn't really need to be you and really challenge yourself on that, right? So I know you want more time back. I know work-life balance is a problem for you. I know that you don't have enough time in the day to get your job done. If you keep going to all of these meetings, you are taking away your team's autonomy, their opportunities for growth, their opportunities for visibility, and you're taking away your time. Tip number two is to trust your team and give them that autonomy. You are important, but so are they. By allowing your team to make more decisions, they grow and learn and then they free you up to be more strategic. So it's a win-win. And you might be worrying in case they make the wrong decision or somebody asks them a question and they don't understand the answer and then, you know, they might look stupid. Don't worry about it. Everyone is growing and learning all the time. And there are very few decisions that can't be reversed. And you've heard me say it before, if you zoom out a little bit, instead of being so zoomed in on how significant and important this meeting is, zoom out a little bit and look for the opportunities for your team. The third thing you can do is, if you tell yourself you can't, as your boss expects you to know all the answers, I would challenge you on that. So you can do this. Your boss probably doesn't expect that you know all the answers. You just need to know who to get the information off quickly. You don't necessarily need to have it yourself. So I've worked with clients in the past who have felt that they needed to be at meeting, certain meetings in case their boss asked them a question about it. That's nonsense, right? That is nonsense. You just need to be strong enough to be able to say if your boss asks you for something and you don't know the answer, just to say that you'll get it for him or her. And you, I guarantee you, you think about it. How long would it take you to find out information from your team? 15 minutes tops, I'd say. And then the final tip is just to learn to be more proactive and less reactive by just letting go of some of that control to allow your team to flourish. And then you have more time to be strategic. Like I said, what is the worst that can happen? Okay, we're on to mistake number two, change management. Oh my goodness, I could talk for days on this topic. The biggest mistake that I see when it comes to change management is not involving your team. It is critical. Changes are the single most disruptive thing to a high-performing team. Every single time there's a change, there is a shift in your team's dynamic. A change might be a new leader, a new system that you introduce, a new structure, new working hours. And the biggest mistake that leaders make is deciding on the change in the boardroom and not involving your team. You cannot do that. It is going to cause havoc if you do that. The past two years have been challenging for leaders and they have been absolutely full of change. PwC did a survey last year and it indicated that 65% of people were looking for a new job as of August 2021 and they expected that's going to increase into 2022. And workers say that their top reason for finding a new job is they want to negotiate a better salary, they want more benefits, but they also want more workplace place flexibility, such as the ability to work remotely on or on this hybrid kind of model that we all have now. 
So it's more crucial than ever that you manage change correctly so you don't rock the boat. Your team are actively thinking about leaving. There is some. There are some key team members right now who are actively thinking about leaving. And the more you can involve them, the more you can recognise them, the more you see their contribution, the more you value them, the more you check in and stay in touch with them on a one-to-one basis, the more chance you have that you're going to retain them, okay? So I'm going to give you four tips on change management. Tip number one, involve your team. Find the key influencers in the group and help them to see the benefits of the change that you are proposing, not just to the business, but to them. They don't care as much about the business as you do. They care about how this change is going to impact my working day. How is it going to impact me when I come into work? How is it going to impact my life outside of work? These are the quest- the first questions that they're going to be asking themselves. So you've got to be ready to answer those questions and be able to sell it to them in a way that, yes, you're doing it for the business, but it's also going to benefit the, the team for X, Y, and Z reasons and really focus on those. Tip number two, for the love of God, do not introduce too many changes simultaneously or within a short period of time. It will cause complete chaos and unhappiness. And if you must do that, it is critical again that your team are involved well in advance and they understand what's coming. So it's not just this bomb you're going to drop on them. Okay. Tip number three, that's what leads me on to this one, is to keep your team in the loop early. You need to start dropping hints that changes are coming and ask them for feedback. Like I'm talking, if you know that you need to um, restructure or take on extra scope or anything like that, you'd want to be starting to kind of float the idea with your team because people like the more you drip feed them and the more you, ca- you know, subconsciously float the idea with them, they're, they're gradually getting used to it. But if you just call them all to a meeting and tell them, OK, this is what's happening, you are guaranteed you're going to have people walking out the door or you're going to have extremely unhappy team members. There's going to be team members not working together. And ultimately, it ends up giving you more hardship, meaning you are putting out those fires. You are solving those HR dramas. And it's really, really avoidable by just involving them. And then finally, tip number four is try to accommodate them and leave your ego at the door. People ha- people want to do a good job. Most people come to work and they want to be part of something. They want to do a good job. They really, really do. But you need to be reasonable with them too. People have lives outside of work and they want to do a really good job and they want to have a career, but they also want to live. And that's what we're here for, guys. That is what we're here for. And then the third and final M, and again, one that's super important, is people management. So the biggest mistake I see when it comes to people management is deprioritizing one-to-ones with your team and your team's development. So when the shit hits the fan, usually one of the first things leaders drop are one-to-ones. But shit always hits the fan. There's never a right time. One-to-ones are so crucial. Those problems that you're solving are around every day. There was a survey in the Harvard Business Review um, where they surveyed lots of executives in large or large organizations and they estimated that soft skills issues like this were costing them over $144,000 every single day. In another study by Gallup, they found that 70% of the variance in employee engagement is caused by a person's manager. 
So I have a little quote that I'm going to read to you. And again, you can see all of this at the show notes at lucygarnan.com forward slash 005. I will link all of the studies and papers that I speak about today. But there was a little quote in the Harvard Business article that I'm just going to read to you now. And they, they said that perhaps unsurprisingly, employees who got little to no one to one time with their manager were more likely to be disengaged. On the flip side, those who get twice the number of one-to-ones with their manager relative to their peers are 67% less likely to be disengaged. Now, the data speaks for itself. There are tons of tons of publications out there that support this. And then they go on to say that employees whose manager doesn't meet with employees one-to-one at all are four times as likely to be disengaged as individual contributors as a whole and two times as likely to view leadership more unfavorably compared to those who meet with their managers regularly. So not only do lack of one-to-one meetings cause disengagement, it also makes your team think that the leaders are not up to scratch. It affects the company reputation. It affects your reputation. And then that's detrimental to attracting and retaining top talent. So what can you do? I'm going to give you some tips. Tip number one is keeping an ongoing relationship with your team really is critical. A simple monthly 15 to 30 minute chat about them will keep your relationship strong. I have seen leaders stand their team members up or turn up 15 minutes late for one-to-ones because they were dealing with something urgent. It's so rude. Your team are people and all people deserve respect regardless of level or hierarchy. If somebody's given up their time and, you know, they're looking forward to meeting you. They're looking forward to hearing, you know, hearing feedback from you. They're looking forward to sharing their career aspirations with you. Give them the time and I promise you it will pay you back in dividends. Prioritize it. Tip number two is to treat your team with respect. If you'll be late, give the person the heads up and make sure that they know that your time together is important. Turn off your phone uh, if you're in person and just be present with them. Which brings me to tip number three is really to just make those 15 to 20 minutes all about them. So when you're in that one to one, you know, you're not talking about you or how bad your day is going or what you did at the weekend or the business tasks and the problems of the day, because the problems of the day are always there and they deal with them all day, every day. So wouldn't it be nice to just have a chat, get to know them personally, get to know what they want, get to know what their career aspirations are, get to know what obstacles are in the way and really just support them and prioritize them. And you and I probably both know this, that you won't get a lot of energy back a lot of the time from your team. They won't tell you that this is important stuff. But believe me, the data shows that it really, really is. And tip number four, when you're in the one-to-one, support your team's career aspirations. Take notes. Nothing says I'm listening like I'm taking notes. Listen to their development needs and actually do something to help them to move forward. That's strategy. That's being strategic. Your team are not going to stay in your team forever. So you better start thinking about, okay, who's going to backfill this person? And now that I know this person wants to move into this other department or wants to move up a level, how am I going to facilitate that? That's your job. And I know you want to be more strategic and that's strategy, right? So you've got to do it. And the final tip then is just don't underestimate the power of that one-to-one relationship. If you are there for your team, if you make them feel valued, if you make them feel seen and heard, they will bend over backwards for you. 
So have you made any of these three mistakes? How do you feel as I share this info? If you have made any of these mistakes, you can backtrack. It's not too late. Like I said, I have definitely, definitely made some of those mistakes along the way in my career for sure. You know, if you've handled a change incorrectly, you can say you got it wrong. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a real sign of strength. And in fact, there was an article on Forbes, which again, I'll link in the show notes at lucygarnan.com forward slash 005. They give four reasons why great leaders admit mistakes. Um, Number one, it earns respect. Number two, vulnerability strengthens the team. Number three, building by or leading by example. And number four, it builds a culture of trust. So you can check out that article if you go to my website. So I know it can be difficult to admit mistakes and I leave you with this one. You know, if you've got a public persona that's strong and together, for sure it can be difficult to admit mistakes. But vulnerability is the key. It really is. And there are ways, though, that you can improve. So I'd love if you'd go to my website. I've designed a really good leadership style quiz. Um, If you go to lucygarnan.com forward slash 005, I'll have the link to the quiz there for you. Or you can just go directly to the quiz, lucygarnan.com forward slash quiz. There's 10 simple questions there which will reveal your personality traits and habits, how your leadership style may be holding you back, the key word that totally sums you up, how others may perceive you and then there are some customized personal development strategies based on your specific results so it's it's a really it's a fun quiz there's only 10 questions but it's really really insightful I put a lot of time and a lot of research into it so that's it for today's episode what is your key takeaway I, I would love to know was it the piece on micromanagement change management or was it those one-to-ones with your team Send me a DM on LinkedIn or Instagram or shoot me an email and we can have a chat. I love hearing your opinions. Um, I just love learning everything about you. So I would love to hear what you are struggling with right now. And I hope that this was useful. I hope you found some of the tips useful. I hope my voice wasn't too croaky today because like I said, I'm still unwell with COVID. Um, but until next time, I hope you have a great week. Remember just to reflect on everything that you have achieved this week. You don't need to look at everything that is coming up next week. Next week will still be there. Okay, take care. Bye for now.